Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. This is the college football week two preview. I'm stuck in with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. What's going on, Colin? Ready to rock and roll? I was completely focused for this recording here, and then Buffalo's getting blown up again. This Penn State line might as well be 100. Anybody's going to buy Penn State. No one's taking a ticket on Buffalo. When am I going to jump in? I just don't know. All right, we're starting off today talking about Buffalo football. I thought you were going to start talking about the Bills, but now we're talking about the Bulls. We're going to get to that game, maybe. I have no feel there. Maybe Colin will get to that. But we're, we'll obviously get to the two marquee games of this weekend with Texas A&M, Clemson, and LSU-Texas. I'm sure Colin has a lot to say about LSU-Texas. We'll also get to some of the uh, FCS, FBS matchups that we like. We'll all do our Moneyline Parlay, where we each pick two Moneyline underdogs, which should have hit last week, as we always do. Uh, and then we'll go through some of the games that we like. Um, so, you know, some of the, our favorite bets this weekend. But let's start with one of my favorite segments that we do each week on Thursday's episode, and that's Look Ahead or Look Away. Hangovers, sleepers, and the dreaded sandwich spot. Is it time to look ahead or look away? We look at next week and we say, okay, is there any games next weekend? Are there any games next weekend that will impact this week? Whereas a team might be looking ahead. They might pull their starters a little early with a big game on deck. It might eat into their prep time this week. So let's look at a few of those this week. The one that really jumps out. A game that's been getting a lot of pub, I think because of the line movement, is Syracuse at Maryland. And Syracuse, you know, they got that win against Liberty last week. This is a second straight road game. And guess what? Next week, they host Clemson. So you want to talk about a sandwich. Sandwiches. 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 This is a, a tough spot for them. You know, is Syracuse going to be completely focused for this game? Do you trust Maryland? What do you see here with Cuse Maryland? Yeah, definitely a look-ahead spot here for Syracuse with Clemson on deck. Possibly going to get game day. I think it's kind of up to, for debate between that and Ames. Uh, so we'll see how the games turn out this weekend. But I make this game as a pick. Uh, but, you know, you could tell just from Maryland and the number of explosive plays they had with Josh Jackson, the way that they looked with Michael Oxley. You know, they look like they win the national championship, which is Maryland's M.O. the first week of every season because they've usually been playing Texas. <laughs> it helps when you play Howard. Steam from a, a dog to a favorite. 79-0 win over Howard that doesn't really tell me much about how good their offense is. It doesn't tell me much about how good their defense is. Uh, the Terps didn't give up a sack, so that's a good thing against Howard. 
Uh, and, you know, as far as Syracuse goes, they were the benefit of four Liberty turnovers. I know we took a lot of heat for the not, you know, for Liberty not covering the 19. But, I mean, that's going to happen when uh, Hugh Freeze is doing everything uh, in his bedpan. I'm sorry, his hospital bed up in the press box just collecting a paycheck and then, you know, waving at Dino goodbye as, as they gave up four turnovers and they're kicking punts with 90 seconds left. So, you know, the Flames went three for 16 on third down uh, and they had 234 yards passing. So they didn't really show like the extent of what we've seen Liberty do before. So Syracuse is defense looks good after Liberty, but it doesn't really show the fact that, you know, Tommy DeVito's, this isn't Eric Dungey. This team isn't as dangerous as uh, the past orange teams. And, you know, I think that this is uh, something where Maryland can run circles around them just from an explosiveness factor and actually preventing explosiveness. So, uh, you know, if you look at Syracuse closer, their center, Sam Heckel, he's uh, questionable for the game. It's kind of a big loss, a center on the offensive line. Uh, And like I said, I made it a pick. I think it's moved past the number that I have, but it won't matter if Maryland, if this is a blowout, it won't matter if it's one or two or two and a half i played maryland here at plus one and a half you know obviously it's a good situational spot but something was just completely and i watched most of that game last week that liberty syracuse game and you know liberty not only they have a bunch of turnovers they missed a field goal but they were able to move the ball down the field at times even with an offensive line that just got completely abused to me, the biggest question this week is, can Maryland's offensive line hold up? Because what it showed me last week is they have a quarterback now who can throw the ball downfield, and it's going to give them balance to their offense, at which they haven't always had. You know, We obviously know they have the explosive runners, but can their offensive line hold up against Syracuse, which has a dot? Syracuse might have the best defensive line in the ACC with Clemson in it right now this second. It's the strength of their team. They dominated the game against Liberty. Now, Maryland has more talent on the offensive line in Liberty uh, and more talent overall. But the thing that got me is Syracuse's offense just looks so off from a timing perspective. They were, they were missing routes. The, you know, DeVito is missing reads and, you know, missing easy throws. And let's wrap up Clemson, uh, excuse me, Syracuse, uh, Maryland. I like Maryland, anything under three. Uh, I think they get the job done. The offensive line is going to get tested. I think they have enough. I think the Syracuse, you know, offense is still going to be out of rhythm. There might be a look-ahead factor here, but I like the Terps. It's a no-play for Syracuse for me. Uh, Maryland is the team that I, I would be on here. I would actually have a slight lean to the under as I projected, just a few points shorter. But I have nothing, nothing that I've played yet. All right. Now, one of the other look-ahead or look-away spots that I had circled here is Pitt, Ohio. Now, this is a fascinating game for a number of reasons. We're both high on Ohio in the MAC. And Pitt opened its season with a conference loss, which is, you know, never ideal. And then they have they're at Penn State next week. You know, and then they have Ohio coming to town this week. One of the things that jumped out at me last week when I was going through the box score and we talked about this was Pitt, who's normally a team that wants to run the ball, but obviously they brought an offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple from UMass, who loves to throw it. They didn't run the ball at all last week. So is there conflict in that locker room with Narduzzi and Whipple? Is he going to want to run the ball more? I'm really fascinated to see the play split this week. But, you know, this game, you know, does Pitt show up for? Are they, you know, do they have a letdown? Are they looking ahead a little bit to Penn State? Pretty fascinating game between Pitt and Ohio. What do you see here? Yeah, I think they do show up to this game. I think Pitt does show up to this game because they lost last week. And you're right. The run-pass ratio should be absolutely fascinating because Whipple was running his offense, and in the second half, Pickett started just getting drilled on every single play, and that's when Narduzzi came out and said, hey, you know, we've got to run the ball more. We've got to protect our quarterback more. 
And I think even myself, I was a little caught off guard by this by this line. It opened up. Uh, I made this game, uh, you know, larger than seven. I made this game somewhere around up at twelve, while some of the other power rating systems out there had this down around four, which is where the number is. Which is why I wonder if it gravitated that way, which is baffling to me. Because what you're telling me is a team that just won the ACC Coastal at home. If you take away home field advantage, is basically even with a team from the MAC, which is just crazy to me. So if I if I look at this, Pitt led Virginia fourteen to thirteen and a half. They were ahead of Virginia 14 to 13 and a half. Would they still be minus four, you know, if they'd have held on and won that game against Ohio at home, uh, if they'd have won against Virginia? So what happened was is Virginia went into the locker room and Bronco Mendenhall came up with a plan to run a blitz on every single down against the four new offensive linemen that Pitt has. Virginia had three touchdowns that came from drives that started with field position in Pitt territory. They started at the Pitt 29, 27, and 19. Not very hard to score when you're getting the ball right there. So yeah, Nardin Doozy made comments that his quarterback, you know, needs to be protected more, but they're not going to get attacked that way from Ohio, the Bobs, front seven. They're not going to be able to attack like Virginia does. Virginia was top 20 in overall team havoc last year. They're one of the most choking defenses in the entire FBS. Uh, Ohio is not going to be able to do that same thing. You know, when I look at this, I look into this a little bit more. Whipple, has, he knows Ohio. He knows Solich really well. He scored 42 against him last year with UMass. He scored 50 against him two years ago. So the point spread doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I think I'm the only person in the world that's on Pitt. So yeah, Pitt minus four for me. Whipple's going to put up points here. Probably an even run pass distribution. Uh, and Ohio's defense is not going to be able to attack the way Virginia does. After what happened last week, the total's been jumping around here. Every time I look at it, sometimes it's at 55, then it'll be 53 and a half, then 54. So I think there's some disagreement in the market or maybe some shaping as to what's going to happen here. Because, but, because I think the outcome of this game and especially the total will be will come down to you know the play distribution for Pitt. So it's an interesting game to keep an eye on. Uh, another one that I wanted to touch on here is a team that's in my backyard. Uh, I actually just flew back home this morning and got into Lexington. We're talking about Kentucky who is now in the MAC, I think. So they play another MAC team to start the year. They're two touch, they're over two touchdown favorite, 14 and a half point favorite against Eastern Michigan. They covered last week against Toledo as a double digit favorite, but got really fortunate in doing so. Toledo's quarterback got hurt. Eastern Michigan coming off of a win. The question here is, is Kentucky looking ahead to Florida and SEC play next week in their next game? Uh, one of the better games next weekend. EMU got a win, but it might have been a little fraudulent. I think you mentioned that as well. Do you have any feel here? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a huge contingency outside of you and me that's all over Coastal this week. And I can't do it because EMU got that win because Fred Payton had four interceptions for Coastal. Uh, so, I, you know, that wasn't like Eastern Michigan went in there and 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 really had a had a decent box score. It was a fraud box score. Speaking of Kentucky, you know, Wilson, Terry Wilson can't make a good decision at throwing the ball. But that's something we knew about last year. It was just kind of hidden by the fact that uh, they had, you know, really good receivers. They had a good, you know, Benny Snell Jr. And a, one of the best defenses to, you know, back them up. But I don't trust this Kentucky team. Their box score is a little fraudulent. I definitely don't trust Eastern Michigan. That box score was a little fraudulent. So this is a stay away game for me. All right. Let me go through two other ones quickly here in look at or look away category. Oregon, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Oregon State. When, when Hawaii beat Arizona, you know, Hawaii, who apparently, so we have Kentucky is now on the MAC and Hawaii is now on the Pac 12, is what I'm seeing. So they, Hawaii started with Arizona. They have Oregon State. And then next week they go to Washington. So you figure, you know, hey, is Hawaii going to be completely focused here? They have had a lot of time off. The Oregon State defense to me still looked atrocious. I needed seven. It's kind of flirting with seven and maybe touches it juiced. 
But I, before I even consider, I don't think I'll consider Hawaii here, but I would need seven with the beads to consider them. Do you have any feel here on the island? Oh, yeah. I've already taken Oregon State uh, plus seven. You guys can go to the Action Network app. Anytime uh, Stuck and I make a play, you'll get a notification right away. And when that thing was clipping seven earlier in the week, yeah, I had to have it. And the reason is because I don't understand this point spread either. So explain to me how Hawaii is a plus 11 dog against Arizona at home. And now they're a seven point favorite against Arizona State at home. You're telling me that there is an 18 point difference between Arizona's power rating and Oregon's power rating. No, that there's not an 18-point gap between Oregon State and Arizona in my power ratings. S&P Plus, there's a six-point gap between Arizona and Oregon State. FPI, there's an eight-point gap between Oregon State and Hawaii. I think this point spread is complete overreaction. Uh, I think Oklahoma State is just in another league. It, it, it's hard to base Oregon State on that game. Both Jamar Jefferson and Artavius Pierce ran for more than five yards per carry on Oklahoma State. They're going to be able to run on the ground and uh, you know control clock and move the chains. You know, and if I was playing college fantasy football, I'd take Artavis Pierce. I mean, his highlight yards per carry were 16.24, which means he did a lot for himself, not what his offensive line gave him. He's able to make a lot happen when he runs the ball. This line is just outrageous. It's just complete overreaction to Hawaii. The other one I wanted to mention was it's kind of an odd game. Arkansas State, you know, they open up with a loss. Next week, they're at Georgia. And in the interim this week, they're going to UNLV. A very odd game that I can't figure out. It's you know it's basically a pick. I think Arkansas State is a one and a half point favorite here. Do you have any feel here on uh, your boys from Jonesboro? Yeah, it's hard to know where their head is at. I mean, from a power rating perspective, I have this game at seven in favor of Arkansas State. So you would think that you would want to play them. But with kind of what's been going on off the field with the coach and then the performance they put up against SMU last week, uh, definitely a turnover discrepancy there. I think they had Arkansas State had three turnovers to SMU's one. SMU had a completely brand new offensive line and Arkansas State's defensive line couldn't do anything with it whatsoever. So it's hard for me to say that since Arkansas State couldn't take advantage of an SMU offensive line, uh, that was completely brand new. Does that make me think that they're going to go to UNLV and uh, be able to put the hurt on a team that predominantly likes to rush all the time against Armani Rogers? So I'm not back in Arkansas State in this position. And the, the numbers too, the numbers, you know, not not good enough for me to take UNLV. Fair enough. All right, so let's move on to the games that we wanted to cover. So it's really, you know, before we get to Texas A&M, Clemson, LSU, Texas, it's still some of the more ho- high profile games and or games that we really like. It's another fabulous weekend of college football. Let's check out the marquee matchups we'll all end up betting for week two. Let's start with an in-state all-Ohio battle with Cincinnati, Ohio State. This line, I think Ohio State's 15.5, 16-point favorite at home. The thing that ruined, and Cincinnati's obviously coming off that win against UCLA. They do benefit from a couple extra days here that they, you know, had for prep and rest. The thing that really worries me about this game is the since. And by the way, this game is a, a matchup of two of the best punters. So if you if you love special teams like me, you're excited to watch the punting in this game, which could you know flip field position. But what, what, what scares me to death about this game is Cincinnati's offensive line. They were at home in the season opener, committing numerous false starts. They have two freshmen on the offensive line, and that's going against UCLA. Now, they're going to go to Ohio State against that defensive line. They can't get behind the sticks with dumb penalties, number one. They're going to have to establish the ground game. They're going to have to run the ball. Their defensive line is somehow going to have to play as well as it did against UCLA, and again, against better talent. But that offensive line really scares me in that stadium. I don't think I could consider 
Cincinnati, unless you're going to dangle, you know, a 17 plus 17 and a half out there, which I don't necessarily think it's going to get there. Good measuring stick for Cincy, but the trenches do concern me. What do you see here? Yeah, they'd have to hang at 21 before I'd even consider it. I've got this game at 20. Uh, I just cannot back Cincinnati in this uh, in this situation. You know, everything that I'm reading this week from people that are putting content out, they're, they're, missing, they're missing the point. They're missing what they should be saying. Cincinnati's D is tough. Cincinnati's D is tough. No, wait, let's clarify that. Cincinnati's rush D is tough. Cincinnati against the pass is not the same. Cincinnati was outside the top 100 against pass explosiveness last year. That's the problem. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he can't expose that. UCLA couldn't take advantage of what Cincinnati's real weakness is, but I got news for you. Justin Fields feasted on explosive plays against FAU. Three three TD passes of 25 yards or more in the first quarter. The Ohio State defense was, you know, their most vulnerable against big runs, but FAU couldn't expose that since he's running backs. They didn't have a run over 15 yards against UCLA. To me, this game screams Cincinnati comes out with all this heart and this emotion, and then after maybe three series, Ohio State just runs away with it because Justin Fields is going to be able to throw all over the secondary of Cincinnati, and they're not going to, you know, it. It's a really bad mismatch in my eyes. Plus, days at Urban Meyer disciple, so if he has a chance to, you know, keep his foot on the proverbial throat, he certainly will uh, against Cincinnati. Uh, A game that I think we both agree on, we mentioned earlier in the week, it's probably one of my favorite games this weekend from a betting perspective, and that's Michigan Army. So look, one of my rules of thumb that I, you know, I don't follow religiously is that it's, you know, it's tough to fade the service academies as a large underdog. Uh, They've been great as underdogs or terrible as favorites. We saw that last week with Rice. And the reason is they just bleed the clock. Like, let's let's look at the Oklahoma game last year when Army played them and took Oklahoma to overtime. What happened was uh, Kyler Murray threw a pick in the second half. The Army turned around and then went on like a 12, uh, you know, an eight, nine minute drive. And then uh, Oklahoma, you know, punted it and Army went on like a 16 minute drive. So the 20, two drives were 20 minutes of the second half in game time. That's what Army last year did. And that's why it's so hard to cover as a favor because the, the clock's running, you're, you're limiting possessions. The biggest difference with Army, and you saw this in the Rice game, I screamed it out the first quarter. I tweeted it. I said, this Army offense is going to take an enormous step back, and the reason is their fullback position. And, the, you know, people say, well, the fullback, how important could it be? It, it, the option, it's everything. You know, you know, you see every every time when you run an option, they either hand it to the fullback or you fake it to them. Well, if the defense isn't afraid of that fullback, then you can cheat to the outside, and this threat of this dive doesn't do anything. And they lost two great fullbacks. And, you know, the the one who was supposed to take over this year, Slomko, is hurt. And McCoy just didn't look right. And that offense scuffled uh, against Rice. So I just don't see them moving the ball, you know, and I don't see them having these long extended drives against Michigan. And the flip side, Army's defense, I think, is going to take a big step back. I think Michigan really wants to refine this offense and just the athletes they have, they want to, if they spread out Army, they can have a field day here with the athletic differential. I think Michigan rolls. I don't think Army scores much. I think we're just going to keep decreasing Army in the power ratings over the next couple of weeks with this offense. And I think this is like, you know, 34-7-ish. What do you see? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you're hitting the nail right on the head, especially with the the handicap on the fullback. If the fullback dive is broken, then nothing else is going to work because the linebackers can cheat and they can take away the quarterback option. They can take away the pitch. Uh, Listen, I make this game 30. 
Two minutes and nine seconds. That's it. That's how long you had to grab a 21. It's been 22, the lowest of 22 at most books. One book had it go to 21 for two minutes and nine seconds. I got couldn't in. Even get, you, yeah, I couldn't even get logged in. So a 22 is the best I could do. If I ever see a 21, I, I'll hit it. But listen, I make this game 30. Uh, Army needed a touchdown late to take the lead on Rice. Rice tried to kick a field goal from the 20, which should have beat them if Rice would have hit their two other field goals. You know, I mean, they got all the way down to the 26 and couldn't convert a fourth and one. It, it would have been a different game if Rice would have made those other two field goals. But like we said about this, you know, what we saw from the offense in Michigan last week was a lot of passes out to the flats. They want to create wide receivers in space. They want to use the athleticism that they have with their wide receivers, you know, to get down the field, which is what they were trying to show. They did. There wasn't a lot of throws downfield, uh, but there was a lot of trying to get the wide receivers out in space. They do it against Rice. They're not going to have any problems. I think the one thing that people aren't paying attention to is that Army lost their defensive coordinator, Jay Bateman. Uh, he went to UNC, which it's already paying dividends there for them. And that went over South Carolina. You know, Michigan's going to go into a bye after this, so I don't expect them to take their foot off the pedal. I expect them to want to get Josh Gaddis' system going as much as possible. I don't think they were happy with the way Middle Tennessee State started. Uh, they're going to want to do more of getting out in, you know, into space and let the wide receivers do the thing. But defensively, Army, if the fullback dive is broken, you're not going anywhere against this Michigan front seven. I think this is going to be a blowout. I'd be, I'm almost be shocked if Army got double digits in points. Yep, I'm with you. I mean, it was just so telling on the first Army drive, third and one. Obviously, they go for like fourth and one from the 12. But third and one, fourth and one, just stuffed by Rice. That is not a good sign for Army this year, where who I don't think is going to get anywhere close to double digits to keep that streak alive, even though they have ridiculously easy schedule. All right, let's move on to uh, another pretty intriguing game this weekend because of what happened last week and that is in the ACC between Miami and UNC all of a sudden UNC went from you know how bad are they going to be all these changes they're rebuilding to all right they beat South Carolina's 11 point dogs in week one you know Miami obviously lost that tough game to Florida they've had extra prep time here but you know we mentioned Jay Bateman it's a natural transition here into UNC who took over as defensive coordinator at UNC they have Phil Longo as the offensive coordinator who's kind of, you know, revamping that entire offense. And it really came down to Sam Howell. And, you know, the, the freshman that they really pilfered from Florida uh, from Florida State. And, you know, is UNC legit? Was that a fluke game? You like the dog here. Yeah, I love North Carolina in this spot. I don't think we know how good uh, North Carolina actually is. The hiring of Phil Longo, which was Ole Miss's offensive coordinator, he is now the offensive coordinator for UNC. They had... So many explosive plays. Sam Howell, the freshman, hit four different receivers for explosive plays. Three different running backs had gains of 22 yards or more. Phil Longo's doing his job. He, he's taken what he did at Ole Miss last year, and he's got it translated over to North Carolina with a freshman quarterback. Uh, and, and they did it against a defense with South Carolina that's, that's not terrible by any means. So the defense, on the other hand, led by Jay Bateman coming in from Army, uh, they picked off Bentley in each of his two final drives to end the game. Uh, you know, they're catching Miami here off of a bye week. I think the, there's still plenty of questions. Is Jaron Williams going to throw down the field? Is Bo Dallas going to have more out of the Wildcat? And if all of it goes wrong, is Dan Enos going to throw his team under the bus again to save his ass? So uh, this is a really a big matchup, you know, for for Manny Diaz. He's going to be high emotions because he got fired by Mac Brown back at Texas long ago. Uh, so I think this is a game that both head coaches are quietly being very being very nice to each other in the media. I think they both want to beat each other pretty bad. Uh, I don't 
Miami's offense is not as explosive as North Carolina. North Carolina's got to deal with a really good defense. But at the same time, I just think we do not know how good this Sam Howell kid is and exactly how explosive the North Carolina offense will be. Yeah, I think the line looks about right. Uh, you know, when all said and done, I, I it just you're going to get a best effort game for Miami. Uh, you know, I think it's just a bad time to buy UNC after last week. So I think I'll be staying away there. And uh, let's let's go rapid fire before we get to the two marquee games in Texas A&M Clemson and LSU Texas. Bob's we're we going back to the Bob's this week. Texas State Wyoming. Are you kidding me? Texas State. Texas State. I got them at seven and a half. I know you like them. Nothing's changed there with Texas State, Wyoming, right? Nope. Make the number eight and a half. I like Texas State. Uh, they get a little bit of extra rest. Missouri uh, had a whole bunch of turnovers against Wyoming. They even fumbled at the one yard line. And my, Missouri outgained them by 150 yards. Wyoming didn't win that game. Missouri gave it up. Uh, you know, Wyoming's preparing for both of it and Jensen. And Wyoming only had two sacks and 48 Kelly Bryant drop back. So I'm not scared of them at all. Texas State all the way. Back to the Bobs. A uh, game that I can't figure out. By the way, you know, Texas State is your 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 team now, your responsibility. Last year, <laughs> one of your teams, UAB, I mean, I, I keep looking at this box score against Alabama State. It's as bad as it looks. It's, it wasn't even that flukish. They have no one to throw to. Their offensive line is terrible. I mean, it's a disaster. Uh, that UAB box score, by the way. UAB Akron, please don't bet that game, people. Please. Um, I am begging you not to bet it. I know some of you will. Um, all right, BY, here's a game I can't figure out. And it is just what I think it's how do these two teams, if you know how these two teams are going to rebound, I think you'd have a better idea how this team's going to how this game's going to go. And that's BYU, Tennessee. So obviously you have BYU who, you know, after that game happened and I like Northern Illinois for this reason, I think getting them over three touchdowns, um, there's value there. That's why I bet them. And I think Utah was a little overvalued in the market after. A good a good win, but it was pretty fraudulent. They had a ton of turnovers. They were gifted that win, and it's a reason to turn into a blowout. And BYU was really right there with Utah. So, you know, I, this was a spot that I'd circle, but then you have Tennessee who loses at home to Georgia State. And, you know, so wh- wh- where are the, the heads, so to speak, of these two teams going to be? I can't figure this game out. The the total's bouncing around, too. The line will go from four to three to four. The market, I don't think, could figure out what they want to do here either. Uh, Cougs, Vols, any feel here? Yeah, I, 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 I like BYU. Uh, I, I make the game a pick. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, listen, BYU, they can recover from a, from a loss in the Holy War. I mean, they've lost to them nine times in a row. You know, last year they had a 20-point deficit, lost to BYU. Heartbreaker, they came back and had a fantastic season. This year, you know, they were losing 9-6 to six at halftime. And, uh, you know, just three really costly turnovers that made that score look like it was out of control when it actually wasn't. Uh, Tennessee, on the other hand, there's no explanation for losing to a Sunbelt team. How does that happen? How do they get pressure There is. They didn't here? run the ball. They ran the ball, what, 10 times against with an SEC offensive line against Georgia State? Come on. Absolutely amazing. And especially how much you're paying your offensive coordinator after he moved over from Georgia. And then, you know, for, for Georgia State offensively to be able to win that game, it's just, it's shocking to me. So I think BYU is not a fraud. Tennessee may be a fraud. BYU, I know, is not a fraud. They just, you know, they had the whole Holy War turnover curse uh, thing going on there. So I'm back at BYU here. I'm making a pick. Uh, you know, I'd hang out and see if there's a four. I think a lot of money's going to be thrown at Tennessee's way, uh, and, and it shouldn't be, but that might get us a four out of this. The last one I'll ask you about, because it's not an official Friday podcast. It's not official until we mention a team that's now 
on my shit list. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Liberty, who let us down, who really should have covered against Syracuse. They're now you know, 13, 13 and a half point underdogs at Louisiana. I'm really high on Louisiana. They came through for me last week uh, against Miss State. You know, maybe you think they come out a little flat here. And we've mentioned before that Liberty wants to get up for these games. Now, I don't know if you Freeze can get up, but can Liberty <laughs> get up for this game? Sorry if that joke is a poor taste. Can Liberty, can they cover here? I just didn't see enough. I don't know how they're going to stop. And that's, that, look, Liberty's defense wasn't supposed to be good, which is another reason why I'm even more worried about that Syracuse offense last week with DeVito. You know, their offensive line was just atrocious. Buckshot got sacked eight times. They get shut out in the biggest game in school history in their season opener at home. I tend to think our Liberty boys are getting blown out here, but it's a terrible, it's a terrible spot to sell them. But I, I'm, I'll tell you one thing: I'm not buying Liberty and Buckshot uh, this week. Are you getting invested here? Well, first off, I hope the I hope the press box hospital room that they're going to wheel his uh, his bed in is, is air conditioned because Lafayette at this time of year is sticky and it is hot. Wish Hugh, Hugh Freeze well with uh, wherever he's going to be posted up. Um, yeah, we talked about this last year, and the big motivating – you would see a completely different Liberty team whenever they played Sunbelt and Conference USA teams. The reason is because when Liberty became uh, an FBS program, they wanted to – made it public. They wanted to be in CUSA, and they wanted to be in the Sunbelt. And both of the conferences said, no, no thanks. We don't want you. You know, you, you don't meet these standards. You can't live up to us. And then last year, if you look at the games where they played CUSA teams, they played Sunbelt belt teams they showed up pissed and won games uh made us a lot of money in those situations but what can we say their motivation is now i mean they don't they're punting the ball away with 90 seconds left when you're 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 you know you're up 20 you're down 24 to zero got a chance inexcusable everybody play to cover the game because i can't trust you guys to play you know textbook football play calling and your coach is, you know, walkie-talking crap in from a, you know, from from a press box, but he's in a he, he's in one of those uh, roll-up beds, uh, you know, those folding taco beds that you can buy late at night at two a.m. while you're watching your Hawaii game, sleep a manic where you can adjust your temperature and shit. I don't want anything to do with Liberty. I can't put any money behind these guys until I start getting solid, decent play from them again. I'm gonna fade them, and then they're gonna actually not punt it with 90 seconds to go and get a back door. <laughs> can already see it coming. All right, so before we get to the two marquee games that we've been teasing here, uh, let's get to my favorite segment, and that's FC Yes or No. Southland or SEC? Big Sky or Big Ten? It's time to play FC Yes or No. We'd look at the most intriguing FCS, FBS matchups. You know, you're not going to get the most money down, but if you're looking to bet casually, recreationally, or just pick up some spare change, or just are interested in the FCS, FBS matchups, as I am, we try to cover a few each week. One team that I'll mention here, William and Mary, if you can get 35, I don't know if it's going to pop, but this means a lot to William and Mary. Their coach used to coach at Virginia. I'm sure they'll be up for it. Virginia's off that win at you know, at Pitt to start off their ACC in 2019 campaign. Then they got Florida State on deck. We sure have a lot of sandwiches. So I don't know how, how much really they're going to care about running it up. And, you know, Virginia is not necessarily the team, the type of team that has the offense just going to explode. Um, so if you can get William and Merritt 35 or above, I'd look there. But my two favorite are Furman, 
talked about this earlier in the week. Anything above a touchdown, I actually think they win this game outright. Well, against Georgia State, that letdown after te- after that huge win at Tennessee. But more importantly, you know who's actually going to run the ball against Georgia State? You know who I don't have to worry about not running the ball against Georgia State? That's Furman and their triple option. And they're going to run the ball against Georgia State, who was 130th in stuff rate. Good luck. So, you know, I think that Furman here wins this game. They're an excellent, excellent FCS team. And speaking of excellent FCS teams, Maine. I love Maine. I love Maine. Anything at seven and above this week. Last year, they went on the road and beat Western Kentucky. They really got unlucky against Central Michigan. They could have won that game on the road as well. You know, the black hole defense. This defense brings back like everybody. Like if you look at their two deep, it's like 16 or 17 guys are returning. I like Maine here. I think as long as you can get their their run defense was excellent, which is obviously going to matter against Georgia Southern, who just looked atrocious last week. So Maine, Furman, and William & Mary, if you can get 35 or above. Anything for you in the FCS world this weekend? Yeah, you're missing out on another triple option team. We got uh, uh, Kent State, you know, coming back from their game against Arizona State. They're going to play Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State, one of the best FCS teams, generally makes the playoffs, gives a lot of people trouble with their triple option. That number, uh, which I believe we had set at seven, got all the way down to one and then took massive Kent State money, and it's 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 back up over four. Darren Ravel money. Darren Ravel money. So I, I think everybody just needs to pay attention here. Uh, Kennesaw State running the triple option. That is not going to be easy for Kent State to prepare for if they prepare for it because they may not care. They may be worried about next week. Yeah, and who's going to play? I don't know who's going to play quarterback. Is Woody back in there for Kent State who transferred from Auburn, which is who Kent State has next week. Speaking of yep. you know bad teams, talking about Kent State, uh, you know, I think they could be a little improved. But that's, that's a bad program. UMass, who let you down last week against Rutgers, they're playing Southern Illinois this week. Southern Illinois got blown out last week against SEMO, Southeast Missouri. And UMass is a, like a field goal favorite at home. Is that really where the UMass program stands right now? A field goal, three, <laughs> three and a half point favorite at home against the Salukis, who just lost by 20 to SEMO? Why are you bagging on Carbondale products, man? Carbondale is a legit city. I had to, I've had to hang out there before. It's a great place to have a client. No, uh, UMass looked great. For the first quarter, I mean, I even tweeted out. I thought they might win the national championship. I don't. That tweet did it, not age well. I know it went down really fast. So yeah, we'll see if UMass can pick it up and go. Thirty-one nothing like, rushes in the second quarter. <laughs> How do you let Rutgers out score thirty-one nothing in a quarter? And now people are backing Rutgers with money, real actual money, not monopoly money, real cash money. And uh, so, anyways, we'll see how it turns out for both teams. All right, let's get to the two marquee games here. Uh, the first we'll cover is Texas A&M at Clemson. You know, this line sitting around 17. I think it opened, you know, it's some softer opens around 20. I took 17 and a half. Anything at 17 and above, I like. Look, I was so impressed with Kellen Mond last week. But the thing is, is that Texas A&M's, they have a solid offensive line. We saw last week that Clemson's defense is going to take a step back, at least initially up front. Right? They lost all that NFL talent. Georgia Tech was, you know, their design runs for their running back. They were able to move the ball a little bit, a lot more than I thought they would be. And, you know, Texas A&M is the one team on Clemson's schedule that has as much, you know, not as much, but close, really close talent-wise. You know, the four stars, the five stars. These two coaches know each other well. I just think this, you know, what it comes down to, Texas A&M, I think, is going to have the better special teams advantage, which could have a, a, a role in who covers. I think this, this, think this line is too high. I had I made Clemson a two touchdown plus favorite in every single one of their games this year. In this one, I make them a 
two touchdown favor. So if I can get over 17 or more, I'm rolling with Texas A&M. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if this game is really close again like it was last year. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so I was one of the ones that were able to get on that 20 on the open for Texas A&M. So I was pretty happy. But at the same time, personally, if you don't have that number and you don't have 19 and a half and you don't have 19, don't take this advice. But I will buy out of it at 16 and a half and try to middle the thing because, you know, my power rating is up around 19 and doing, you know, deeper digging into this. There's things where I tend to I would rather have more money on the under than have it on the side with this game. What happened to Clemson last year is about what is going to happen to Texas A&M this year. And what I mean by that is, is Clemson came into this game last year and the part of their defense that really was suffering uh, and was brand new was their secondary. Kellen Mond was able to throw against their secondary. Clemson was able to get their hands on some passes, even one that was actually caught for a touchdown by Texas A&M. But, you know, Texas A&M this year is the one that is missing their two starting safeties. This year, they're the ones that have a little bit of trouble in their, in their secondary. And that is something that Trevor Lawrence can expose. But I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to start out by throwing at their safeties right away. I think Travis Etienne is going to be pounded the first quarter, maybe even into the second quarter. And it's going to set up the play action pass for Trevor Lawrence to take advantage of those safeties, those new safeties later on in the second quarter, which is when I think that they'll pick it up. I, I like Kellenmon in this game. I think there's going to be a lot more running than we can expect. I know the Dabo came out and said, we expect Kellenmon to get off the bus throwing. And I agree, he will be throwing, but I don't think he's going to be throwing from the pocket. I think he's going to be under pressure. I think he's going to be out to the side. I think there's going to be, I think there's much more of a case to be sticking your hard-earned money on the under than there is on a side in this game. So for me personally, I've got a Texas A&M 20 in my pocket. I'm going to turn around and hit 16 and a half if I could get it. If you're in a pick em pool, I'd say Clemson at 17. I'd say Texas A&M at 19 and a half. Uh, what I like with my money is the under because I think there's going to be more running. I think Travis Etienne is going to set up the play action pass. I think Mon is going to be out of the run. And remember, this Clemson secondary is now extremely experienced. And Mon is not going to be able to hit those windows like he did last year. I think there's going to be more scrambling. I think there's going to be more stoppage in play. Uh, I just like the under a whole lot more. I, I get what you're saying, but I think you're giving too much credit to the Clemson defensive line and not enough credit to the Texas A&M offensive line. Uh, so I think they're going to be able to move the ball on the ground. You know, Mon will be able to move the ball with his legs. And I think he's going to have time to throw. And, yeah, the, the Clemson secondary is better. You know, we're, we're gonna, maybe I'm, I'm too high on Texas A&M, who, by the way, should have beat Texas State by about 70. I mean, they were damn impressive. They also have solid special teams. Now, I think they're going to need the tight end position to step up, which is a, uh, definitely a gap for them this year. I don't know. I think maybe I'm maybe I'm too high on it. Now, look, just because they lost by two last year, throw that game out. I think that the, the the coaches are familiar with each other. But Kelly Bryant started that game. ETN had eight eight carries for 44 yards. Their their best receiver was still he he didn't even play. You know, he was still coming back from injury. So there was a lot of things that just didn't don't apply to this matchup this year. I don't know. I, I'm a little high. I'm three, four points higher, it appears, on Texas A&M, and we'll find out. Uh, I'll be riding already on the eggs at 17. Once it crosses 17, you know, uh, I don't really see as much value. But, I, I, you know, you can find 17s out there. Uh, I like Texas A&M. Um, all right. This is what everyone's been waiting for. LSU, Texas. The prairie skies are wide and high, deep in the heart of Texas. This is what all the chatter, the chirping been about. We have talked about this all offseason. We heard from all the Texas fans, the whole state of Texas. Everyone from Austin called in on the voicemails last weekend. And they wanted to let you know that 
Texas is a simple team, people. Herman obviously has been elite as an underdog even before he was uh, head coach. Now, there's, there's a lot of question marks. And the, the over's on the rise. So you know, the market thinks that this game's going to be a shootout. But I can tell you one thing. I haven't invested in this game yet. But I am waiting, and I think I I think it got to seven once at Vegas. If it gets to seven, give me Texas. Hook them horns. <laughs> I'll be on Texas. I'll be against you. So I'm just waiting for a seven. Uh, it's tough during football season, man. You got to be watching the screen at all times. I think I was taking it. You get alerts on your phone, action app, shout out, for when lines hit certain ranges. But you can't even take a shower. You can't even walk my dog. I, I'm waiting on this seven. What do you see here? Uh, I want you to you know, disappoint and go after all of Texas Nation right now. Texas Nation, I don't care what the number is. I'm going against you. I'm taking LSU now. Uh, I you think you think LSU rolls? I think LSU rolls. I, the the more I get into this, I mean that number got to seven. It, it disappeared really fast at Circus Sports yesterday. So we'll see. I, I think there's going to be a flood of Texas money. People are so in love with this Herman trend. It's like that's the only reason to handicap. That you know he's he's got this 86 percent trend, 13 two and one against the spread as a dog. Now, okay, I get that. I get that. Only one of the defenses he actually faced was anywhere like LSU, and that would be Georgia last year in the in the Sugar Bowl, and there's motivation factors there. So, yes, I understand Herman is a dog, and I understand the trend is 86%. It's also a sample size of 15. Like, you know, it, you ask any scientist or any engineer or anybody like that, they need a sample size of 100 before they think of something, 500 before it's a theory, 1,000 before, whatever. It's 15, 15 games, all right? So let, let me start at the beginning with, with how I bet this. I had this out at LSU minus seven the entire time. So FanDuel out in Jersey comes out and they've got it as Texas minus one. By the time I could get to it, it was a pick 'em. Got as much money down as I could at a pick 'em. Vegas comes out. Some places were hanging a two and a half. Some places were hanging a three. Got more money on that. Not as much as I'd like. I mean, at the time, those limits were sitting around $250, $500, but nothing four digits you could get down on this. By the time I can get four digits down on this, it's up over four. So, you know, we're happy with what I've got here, but. I'm saying right now you could take any number. This point spread tells me the entire story. I mean, three and a half, four, five, five, six, six and a half. It doesn't matter. Even though the ticket count is right down the middle for all of you following on, on sports insights on your screen, even though the ticket count is right down the middle and the money is right down the middle, there's no end to this point spread going. So uh, to me, if I'm just reading the market, if you blank out the team names, I'm not trying to be hating on Texas. And I'm not trying to love LSU. You blank out the team names. If I'm just watching the market, this tells me that LSU is going to roll. So let's talk about the games last week individually, specifically. The Longhorns did a lot to actually impress me against Louisiana Tech. Sam Ellinger was able to hit eight different receivers for double-digit yards. Keontae Ingram averaged seven-point yard, one yards per carry. Those things are great. Texas held Law Tech scoreless for three quarters. Uh, but there's a couple stats that really, really kind of bothered me about Texas in general. Uh, you know, they they forced Law Tech to punt. Just twice, only twice. Defensively, you know, Texas last year was 91st in sack rate during 2018. The key to winning this game is putting pressure on the LSU offensive line and stopping Joe Burrow from doing his RPO package or hitting running backs out in the flats. They had uh, three, four, five. They had five different running backs take catches out in the flats last week. The Tigers were unbelievable against Georgia State. Five touchdowns in their first five drives. They were so impressive on offense. They had to tap Joe Brady on the shoulder, say, step back. We're going to pull the offense back a little bit. We didn't need it to be this good. Explosive plays mixed in. Running backs catching it out of the backfield. In the meantime, Texas has one sack and zero quarterback hurries on La Tech. Zero quarterback hurries on La Tech? One sack? 
And last year you had a 90, you were 91st in sack rate. I, all summer, these Longhorn fans getting into my DMs, getting into my Twitter, telling me this defensive line has been revamped and it's going to be the reason they beat LSU. You had one sack against Louisiana Tech. You had no quarterback hurries against Louisiana Tech. So, I mean, that one sack, it came from a defensive back. It came from DeMarvian Overshone. I mean, uh, of the five tackles for loss, only one of them came from a defensive lineman. The rest came from DBs and one linebacker. So when I get into the box score and I get in deep, there's nothing about the Texas defense whatsoever that makes me think that they can beat LSU. This LSU offense, I don't think we know how good it is. Uh, I think Elliger is going to be under a ton of pressure. Uh, his top targets will have suffocating coverage from Grant Delpit. Uh, listen, don't discount special teams. I'm surprised you we haven't mentioned that. Don't discount special teams. Last year, Texas finished 59th. And S&P Plus special teams, LSU finished third. Uh, LSU's punter the other night had three punts, averaged a little bit more than 51 yards. Uh, their kicker went two for two on field goals, hit all seven PATs. Uh, there's a major advantage in special teams. There's a major advantage in defense. Um, you know, running back is thin for Texas. I, this is, I think it's going to be a, a runaway by LSU. Yeah, you mentioned special teams. Don't forget about Texas kicker, home Justin Tucker, maybe. You're right. We don't know how good LSU's offense is going to be. You know, they with this new spread, they played Georgia Southern. So the quality of athlete and defender is a little different this week. But I'm looking forward to seeing, and I think you saw a sneak peek of this last week, Texas's defense with the eight defenders. You know, when they have eight, excuse me, when they have eight defensive backs out there on defense against this LSU spread and, you know, kind of the chess match there. Um, I think it's a game we're going to learn a ton about both teams. There's a lot of unknowns to me. So it's not like I have a really strong feel in this game, but I could tell you if that seven pops, if I'm walking and my phone buzzes and I look and it says Texas LSU from six and a half to seven, you'll see soon thereafter a Texas play coming on me uh, from me and I'll be all on the Herman train and uh, we'll be against each other on Saturday, which could be a little fun, Uh, but more to come on this game, we'll have uh, betting guides and tons of content going up on ActionNetwork.com and the Action app. Kyle and I will also be on our, our live show uh, at 10.30-ish 10, on Saturday morning. Check out our Twitter accounts for more details on that, at Stucky2 and at Colin underscore one. Key there is two L's, uh, at Colin underscore one. Uh, so before we get out of here, let's go three and out. One, two, three. Let's make it a quick three and out. First down. I need you to lie to me here. You lied to me last week about your sad, you have an Arkansas hat on right now, your sad, sad Razorbacks effort uh, against a a one-possession home win against Portland State, those pesky Vikings. So this week, you guys have an SEC game, and this is probably, I'm looking at this card here. I'm going to say Akron-UAB is the game I don't want to (laughs) watch the most. The second game that I want to avoid, like the plague, is probably this Arkansas game. I have no interest in this game unless you tell me that you love it because I always listen to Arkansas game. But Arkansas at Ole Miss, Ole Miss about a touchdown favor, you know, came down a little bit here. Arkansas now six and a half point dog, a little sharp money on the hogs. Is that coming from you? Are you betting this? What do you see here? Prime time Saturday night. Are you going to have Arkansas, Ole Miss on the main TV? Woo, pig suey. Absolute dumpster fire, dumpster fire. I don't know how we win a game the rest of the year. Just blow the program up. Give us a death sentence. Collins talking Razorback football. Who the hell are you people out there betting? You know what? You know what's going on. 
there's people out there betting Arkansas. There's people out there taking seven, six and a half. It's five and a half at a sharp book right now. There's going a five and a half is, out there? There's a five and a half out there right now. I think oh, what's I going on that. is you people are so focused on Ole Miss and how terrible they were in week one and how much the team hates each other, how much the players hate the coaches, and I think the coaches hate each other, that you didn't watch one second of that Arkansas game. Let me fill you in. Give me 60 seconds. I'll fill you in. 11 of Arkansas's 12 drives against Portland State, who I don't even think has ever even received a vote in the FCS Top 25. 11 of 12 drives ended in their own territory. What was supposed to be a first-half-ending drive down the field with Nick Starkle and a spike and attempted a field goal, the clock just ran out because Nick Starkle didn't know where he was. I don't think he even know who he was. I don't even think he knew what he was doing. Chad Morris even mentioned it. Players didn't know where they were. They didn't know what formation to be in. They couldn't get the calls in. It was terrible. It, Chad Morris said this. They played hard. They gave effort. Uh, give credit to Portland State. They had better execution, and we had to go vanilla in our base offense because we just don't know the offense well enough. The players are not listening to the coaches. The players can't execute. Giving Portland State half a million dollars to ride a bus down to Fayetteville, Arkansas, and possibly beat them. I don't know how you people are putting money on Arkansas. Good luck, whoever you are. Ain't gonna be me. So, you, but you didn't answer the question. So you can make you'll, you'll see a bet on Arkansas come through on Saturday. I'm no. that, by the way. Will it be on the Mate TV on Saturday night? It's gonna be on TV. I'm gonna watch it. But I mean, I'll have way more money on UTEP than I uh, this week than I probably will on anybody on, on Arkansas the rest of the season. All right. Well, hold on. But LSU Texas is main TV, right? <laughs> Saturday night. Oh, absolutely. Audio and everything. Now for second down, I actually was going to bring up the worst teams in the country and which ones. You could actually back this week. The funniest one to me, uh, which you can't bet this game, by the way, but Bama against New Mexico State. But with Bama's laying 55 here, New Mexico State, by the way, they lose by, I don't know, 100 last week to Washington State, taking an absolute beating, an absolute beatdown. A team that I thought, man, maybe I can, this team's going to be a little bit improved. And they lose 58 7 in Pullman to Washington State. They're now catching 55 and a half over under 64 uh, yeah. against Alabama. So you have that in play. And then you also have UTEP. And that's a team that you're actually, Minor Nation, we, we got you in on this podcast. That's a team you're actually looking to bet big this weekend. Yeah. UTEP. We're talking Minor Nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. I did bet. I actually had to call one of my Vegas runners. I said, run over to CG and get me some money down on UTEP. He said, what? Say again? Come again? I think he actually, my runner had to call me and say, I want you to say it out loud. And I said, okay, go get a nickel down on, on UTEP at 35. It's the only shop that's got 35. So I, it, the number's going to go up. I think other places are going to have it available. Yes, I'm on UTEP. Before I get to UTEP, I will say that I like the under in the Alabama-New Mexico State game. It's at 64, 64 and a half. Saban is hot pissed about the rushing performance against Duke, about them to establish the run. Uh, yeah, they're going to maybe be able to knock off 80 yard runs against New Mexico State, and they should. But it sounds like the focus of this game is establishing the run, not so much putting up 100 billion points and letting Tua throw it all over the place. They're going to run the ball all the time. I like the under in that game. For as far as UTEP goes, I mean, I have this at 37. So, you know, buying at 35 is, is going against my own number. But if you look deep into the Texas Tech box score against Montana State, the Bobcats had just eight first downs. They went 2 of 16 on third down. You would think that's a great job by Texas Tech. But Montana State had 289 total yards. Four different Bobcats had explosive plays against the Texas Tech defense. They had five total explosive plays. 
Texas Tech did its job offensively. They scored whenever they want, but defensively, there is big-time room for improvement. They can't stop the big play. Go over to the UTEP box score. Three rushers, including quarterback Brandon Jones and four receivers, all with explosive plays. Three different players, explosive plays. UTEP's going to head into a bye week after this, while Texas Tech is going to prepare for Arizona. By the way, UTEP staff, Chico Canales, assistant head coach on the staff, Cox, the defensive coordinator. Where did these guys all come from? Utah State. Who knows them really well? The head coach of Texas Tech, Matt Wells. Matt Wells knows the entire UTEP coaching staff. He is close friends with everybody on the UTEP coaching staff. Mike Cox was a defensive coordinator when Matt Wells was a player. Wells has mentioned this over and over, and he has also mentioned this. Said out loud at his presser on Monday. UTEP's offensive line is bigger than our defensive line. I'm worried about them pushing us around. Give me the 35. Especially with a coach like Matt Wells that doesn't want to run it up on people that he has close personal relationships with. UTEP all the way. I knew I would get you excited by uh, bringing up UTEP. And it uh, looks like before we get to third down, it looks like there was uh, a penalty. So I do want to just, before we go give our money line parlay, I did want to mention Friday night football. So there's two Friday night games. I, the first game I texted you last week, I want Rice as a home dog against Wake Forest, but I wanted over 21. So we didn't get it. I don't know if they can stop Wake Forest's passing attack. Like, Rice's defense looked great last weekend, but remember they played an option team that we think is way down and way less potent. And so we saw nothing about the Rice secondary. And the Rice secondary is was atrocious. And we saw, we didn't see any of that last week. They didn't have to show up. And their offense is still atrocious. They line up and just, you know, two, two tight ends, wait till the game clock gets to one second, and run a dive. This is the, a snail versus a cheetah. I mean, this is the one of the fastest teams in the country versus one of the slowest, which is intriguing. But I can't get 21. I can't trust the Rice secondary. I have to pass on Rice. Any field there or with Marshall in what I think is the more interesting game, catching 12-ish uh, at Boise on Friday night. Anything on Friday night lights for you? Marshall, for me, it's a down spot for Boise to come back after a miraculous second half. Uh, I think the debate now is if I can't get Marshall at a key number, it just looks like he's not going to clip 13. And, and if they're not going to get 14, maybe I'll play it first half. I do I do like Marshall in that spot. Rice, same thing. I want 21. I'm, I'm, I'm greedy with the number. A little bit where, I mean, the pace here is going to be insane. I mean, Rice wants to do one thing. Wake wants to do another. Wake gets a 14-point lead. How does Rice catch up? So it's it's a tough game to handicap. For me, I like Marshall in the game. Uh, I think they're going to give him a real push, and uh, I might play it first half. You have to check on the Action Network app. All right. So before we get out of here, let's do our weekly Moneyline Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Uh, Moneyline underdog parlay or to some of you the overdog money line parlay uh, for those longtime listeners of our podcast it's called the overdog parlay so this should have hit last week by the way you had bc and i had oregon i'm still trying to get over it but <laughs> let's move on to this week and you know what i'm riding with the bobs and the good thing about this i think they're gonna win the game but the good thing about this is they don't i can blame you so i'm going with the bobs money line where you going with your Moneyline underdog this week? I'm going North Carolina, I believe, in Phil Longo. I, I believe in Jay Bateman, and it's not a Mac Brown thing. It's just a thing where I think Miami's still got to figure it out offensively. Don't trust Dan Enos, but uh, I love what I see from Sam Howell in, in North Carolina, and I'm gonna. they're going to be not only just my Moneyline, I'm going to back them in every round rob and everything that I make. I'm going to have some have some North Carolina down. There you go. The Bobs and the Heels pay around 8, 9 to 1. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Make sure you check us out on Saturday morning. 
We'll be going through the card once again. Any updated thoughts? Obviously, the market is going to move. You can also check out all of our picks on the Action Network app, actionnetwork.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for joining me, Colin. Good luck this weekend. Cheers. Peace out. Peace out.